We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. First down and goal. Howard carries and carries it into the end zone. What a start for Chicago. Just got it away. Trubisky backpedaling. The pass is caught. Either way, it's in essence 40-41 yards on third down and just an incredible athletic play by Gabriel. First down and goal. Howard is going to pound it in for his second of the day. What's up? Cousins gets hit, down he goes, in the arms of Hicks. What a year for the seventh-year pro. Second and goal, Cohen carries and takes it in. Touchdown, Chicago. Blitz coming. Vikings pick it up. Cousins heaves to the end zone on fourth down. There are no flags. Zilstra comes down empty-handed, and this game is over. And welcome to another edition of the Bear Report podcast as part of the Overtime Network. My name is Zach Pearson. I am one of your hosts. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Aaron Lemming. Aaron, we are going into a playoff week. How good does this feel? It's crazy, man. It's it's like it's it's almost too good to be true. So it's it, I don't know. It was like as soon as the uh, as soon as the Vikings game ended, it was just like right away. It, it was almost like this angst that I haven't had in a long time. It's like you know the the, the playoffs are exciting, and I'm sure as the game gets closer, it'll it'll get even more exciting. But it's also a little nerve wracking knowing that the Bears' season could basically it ends with one loss. So I mean they've got a maximum of four games left if they if they get to the Super Bowl, and you know and they, they've got a you know a I guess, you know, a minimum of one game left. So if they, 
can't handle business this weekend, then that's it. But I'd, I'd say overall, man, it's been one hell of a year, especially finishing off 12-4. and four. Yeah, for sure. I think you kind of hit it there. Um, and we're going to discuss that. We'll discuss a little bit about the season. Uh, Sunday's Week 17 win over the Minnesota Vikings. And we're going to kind of switch things up this week because with this game you know, being very important, we're going to talk a little bit about the Philadelphia Eagles um, in this podcast. But we do have a special guest who covers the Eagles is going to join us. We're going to make that a separate podcast. So what we're going to probably do is just make like the Eagles preview just an entirely different um, podcast. It'll be in you know normal length or close to normal length because I, w- I got a lot I want to talk about the Eagles. And I know Aaron's got a lot. I'm sure the guest is too. But uh, before we get into anything else, let's just pause here. Let's hear a word from our sponsors, and then we'll be back after this. The Old West is an iconic period of American history. I'm Chris Wimmer. Join me on the Legends of the Old West podcast to hear the true stories of lawmen like Wyatt Earp, Bass Reeves, and the Texas Rangers, outlaws like Jesse James and Butch and Sundance, and Native American battles of the Lakota, Comanche, and Apache. We use cinematic storytelling and sound design to bring these stories and many more to life. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. And we are back here on the Bear Report Podcast, a special playoff edition of this podcast. Um, Aaron, what did you see Week 17? Obviously, um, the, Matt Nagy takes the Bears into Minnesota. The Vikings win, and they're in. Um, if they lose in Philadelphia, wins. The Vikings are eliminated. And despite the Rams going up big on the 49ers from the jump, Matt Nagy did not... Uh, benches starters instead he kind of you know he took the aggressive approach and rode his starters pretty much until about the five or six minute mark left in the fourth quarter well I you know I gotta admit I'm I'm honestly still shocked at just when you watch that game and you know let's just say you're kind of you know ignorant with football or whatever and you don't really know what's going on and somebody tells you well one team's got something on the line here and one team has to win to get in the playoffs and if you knew that going into that game and you watched that game, you'd absolutely have thought it was the Bears who had a lot on the line and they weren't the team that did. I mean, it just it absolutely blew my mind. They come out and they have, what was it, three or four straight uh, three and outs, and then they had the touchdown right off the bat on the first offensive drive, and it just seemed like they, they wanted it more. And, you know, I have to admit, I was curious how Nagy was going to handle this situation. And I, I have to say, I think he did 100% the right thing. I think coming out and playing your starters – you go into halftime, you're up. Uh, you know, momentum was kind of starting to slip away a little bit at that point. I think the, the 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 officials were terrible. I mean, there's really no other way to put it. But I think when you when you look at what Nagy did, he basically said, okay, you know, the, the Rams game was already out of hand by that point. He can paint that however he wants to paint it. The, the fact is they knew that they were not going to get a first-round bye. But what he did is he basically said, okay, well, we've got a chance to knock out the Vikings here, and we're playing good football. And we're, you know, 11 and four at that point. Why not finish the game out and win it? And that's exactly what they did. And I think it's interesting because, I mean, you've been at Hallis Hall. I mean, you've heard these guys talk. Uh, anybody who has, uh, you know, Twitter or Periscope or anything like that. I mean, they've, they've been talking about it, uh, you know, the, the last few days about how how big of a win that was for them, knowing that they were able to go in at those high stakes with the Vikings and come out and win the game. And and they've, you know, there's been a few players that have talked about the importance of that win. And it just, not only does it, it does it help 
continue the momentum that they have. Dude, they're nine and, and one in their last ten games. I don't think a lot of people understand that. Obviously, we'll get more into that with the with the preview podcast uh, with the Eagles. The Bears are a really hot team right now, and outside of that fluky loss when they didn't even have Trubisky starting at quarterback against the Giants, I mean, this team has been damn near unbeatable. And the fact that they were able to go into Minnesota on the road, they finished 5-1 and one within the division. I mean, the Vikings had to win the game to get in the playoffs, and the Bears came out and absolutely outclassed them in every way, shape, or form. And I, I just I, I think that speaks a lot to this team right now. And I think that's something that should give Bears fans a lot of confidence moving into the playoffs is the fact that it doesn't seem to matter what stakes are on the line, what the you know, what the odds are, whatever it may be, who they're playing, they come out and they they play their best football and they find and even if they don't play their best football, they find ways to win games. Yeah, I agreed with Nagy's decision. And now that I think of it, going back to that week leading into the Vikings game, it makes more sense now because how he addressed all those questions of are you going to rest your starters? Well, you know if if LA gets up big and he did say that there is there there might be a situation where that happens and he pull his starters. But for the most part, if we we all should have been. I mean, myself included, we could have sh- kind of should have been not surprised when he didn't pull the starters at halftime because I don't think he really gave one definitive answer during that media session the entire week that said, yeah, I'd, I'd pull my starters in this scenario. I mean, he was even asked, yeah, if LA's up 28 points at halftime, you know, would you pull them? He goes, yeah, maybe there's a situation. But it, it was never, oh, yeah, we'd pull them. Or, and he kind of danced around the question where, I, you know, I don't even know where the scoreboard is in the stadium, but I'm not aware of that, blah, blah, blah. So it's, honestly, we shouldn't really be all that shocked. And I, I like it because I think that's an aggressive coach that sends a message, hey, I don't care if – you know, we have nothing to essentially play for, and, and the Rams are beating the hell out of the 49ers like they should. Uh, we're going to go out and win. He said it in the postgame. I want winners. You know, I want to win. I want to be. That's the goal is to win. And they kind of put their foot on the gas, put their foot on the Vikings' throat. And that, to me, sent a message to not only the division, uh, hey, we're here. Like, you know, we have arrived. This is our turn. This is our time. And we're going to be here. But it also, I think it sent a message to a lot of teams in the NFC like, hey, you know, we're not going to do this traditional bench our starters. We're going to come out and we're going to put a foot on the gas. We want the momentum into the playoffs. We, you know, they've won nine out of 10, like you said. And, and, and I think people kind of underestimate what a loss would have done. I don't think they go into this Vikings game, or well, now it's an Eagles, but if they would have played the Vikings, I don't think they would have gone into it as confident coming off of a loss, as weird as that sounds. Well, I, I think you bring up a good point because it, it's one of those situations where I, I think we can go back and, and we can kind of look back. Let's just look at 2010. Obviously, a little bit different of a situation in some ways, but in, in some ways it wasn't. So basically, you know, as most people remember, 2010 and Week 17, they played the Packers. If they had to beat the Packers, then the Packers wouldn't have been in the playoffs, and good chance the Bears would have probably at least gone to the Super Bowl if not won the Super Bowl. Uh, obviously, the Bears played their starters, and they lost the game. And so I, I think it's one of those things. I mean, it was an absolute calculated risk by Nagy to do what he did because it would have been very easy to say, you know what, we're probably not going to get that, that first round by. We're not even going to put our starters out there. We're, we're not, we're not going to worry about that. We're just going to go ahead and throw backups out there. We're, we're not going to try to win the game. So then that way there's no you know loss of confidence. And you know if we take the loss, we take the loss. But what he did was he said, okay, I'm going to put my starters out on the field. And I'm going to make the Vikings earn their way into the playoffs. And I, and I think it was, I mean, if you really look at it, it was kind of a big risk. Because here's the situation. If the Bears 
would have played, you know, they, they play their starters. If they'd have played their starters throughout that entire game like they did, and they lost to the Vikings, what kind of message does that send to the locker room, to, to the confidence, to everything, saying, okay, we went out and we put our best guys out on the field and we lost the game. So then you, you, have, a, you have a confidence issue moving into wildcard weekend and maybe there's a little bit of doubt that creeps in and maybe the Vikings have a little bit more confidence. And the other part of that is, okay, you could always – pull your starters out at halftime and maybe you lose the game maybe you win the game but you know whatever it may be but you're also risking injury and Nagy basically said no we've we've got this team on the ropes and we're going to finish them off and I think it brings up an interesting point I want to get your perspective on this because I uh, we didn't do a, a podcast uh, last week to talk about the Niners win and preview uh, pre- preview the Vikings game uh, I was on vacation obviously you know Christmas all that fun stuff but I tweeted something out. It was Sunday night because I went to the game uh, against the 49ers. And I tweeted something out that night, and apparently it rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. I, you know, that's, It is what it is. You put your opinion out there. That's, that's what's going to happen. But I basically said, and I still feel this way, I, I, I thought that the Bears would have actually been better, not really losing per se, you know, like going out purposely losing, but I thought the Bears would have been better off playing the Vikings a third time than they would – be playing the Eagles who have won three out of their last four. What is it? Five out of their last six, whatever it may be. I can't even, there's like two different numbers in there, but I, I honestly felt like the, the Eagles and I still feel this way are the more dangerous team. And I think that we kind of saw that the bears had the Vikings number. The Vikings did not play consistently good all year. They've had moments where they've looked good. Uh, they've had a lot of moments where they've either not looked very good at all, or they've looked flat out bad and the bears absolutely dominated them. So it's one of those situations where you balance this, you balance what's going on and you say, okay, well, we could essentially let the Vikings win this game and we can play them next week, but you're also balancing damaging confidence or whatever it may be, kind of turning things around a little bit, maybe giving the Vikings more confidence, or you took the route that Nagy took and basically said, okay, you know what, I don't care who we're playing. We're going to win this game. We'll face the Eagles. We'll handle the Eagles. We'll move on. I mean, and it's kind of one of those situations. I, I guess I'm curious – because it's kind of a delicate balance. I mean, who was your who was the one team that you really didn't want to see the Bears play in the first round? Was it the Eagles or was it the Vikings? Oh man, see, I, okay, for me, there's pros and cons to, to that situation. Um, if I had, I didn't. If I had to pick between those two teams, I would say personally, I didn't want to see the Vikings, just because I I understand the whole. You know, well, if we play them three times, they have film on us. We have film on them. I just don't like the whole three-time thing just because I think the Vikings' defense is more likely to make an adjustment against this Bears' offense, you know, rather than the Eagles' defense completely coming in and completely shutting down this Bears' offense. I think I'm I, – I okay, so the whole thing with Nick Foles – and his magic and all that. Oh, he's doing it again. He's going to go on this run. Yeah, I think that's a thing. But I also think last year's Eagles situation was so much different. They had three home games in the playoffs. Or two. Yeah, they had two home games in the playoffs. That NFC went through Philadelphia. So in my eyes, I, this year's a lot different. They're banged up in the secondary. I like the Bears' chances on offense against this Eagles defense more than I do against the Vikings' defense. Um, the other way around, I th- see part of me thinks, okay, as bad as Kirk Cousins played, the Vikings have shown before on offense that they can put up points. 
Um, obviously, the Eagles have two, but I just I, I trust the Bears against the Eagles. So I'd have to say the Vikings. Um, but I mean, there is pros and cons to both. So, like your situation where you were saying, yeah, do you let the Vikings into the playoffs and? Um, you know, you play them three times and you take your chances with a team that you've dominated because I'm not going to lie, I, I will 100% admit, and I, I think everyone saw this, the Vikings looked awful. I mean, they were arguing with each other on the sidelines. They looked god-awful. I just, part of me thinks I they had maybe a chance to maybe flip it around, turn it around in a week. But at the same time, the Bears would also have tape on them. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, there's pros and cons to it. I don't... I'm fine with what Matt Nagy did. I'm kind of now a believer of, you know what, whatever happens, happens. Whoever you play, you play. If you have to go through the defending Super Bowl champs, bring them on. I think the Bears having home field in either situation definitely helps um, because I think Soldier Fields is going to be a crazy atmosphere. We'll get to that later. But, yeah, I, I wanted to play the Eagles out of the two. The team I really wanted to play a couple weeks ago was Washington because, man, they just looked. That was a dumpster fire. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you with the with the Redskins, especially. I mean, they obviously had Josh Johnson, who was their what fourth fourth quarterback. Oh, yeah, I think yeah. it was fourth. Yeah, fourth quarterback fourth. to play this year because they had the two two, two season ending injuries, and then uh, can't remember who the other. Oh, it was Mark Sanchez. Oh man, that was a disaster. But yeah, yeah I mean, it's it's one of those situations where, like you said, I mean, you kind of play who you want to play, or you you play who you're going to play, and. It's I don't know. Like I said, I mean, I I had a few different conversations with a few different people, and everybody's got a different mentality. I understand each side of it. My whole thing is, and this is going back to just how I've seen the playoffs play out. You know, everybody says you got to be the you know you beat the best to be the best. And one, I don't think the Eagles are the best. I think sometimes playoffs comes down. Watch well, not sometimes. I think almost all the time playoffs comes down to matchups. And I'm not saying that the Eagles are a bad matchup for the Bears because, quite frankly. I think the only really true bad matchup for the Bears right now in the playoffs is going to be the Saints. I, I think that they can beat the Saints, but I think the issue there is is that they're going to be on the road in a hostile environment against a team that matches up very well against them. But when when I look at the different things, I mean, you could I mean you could make an argument for every single one of these teams, but I guess what I'm saying here is I don't particularly agree with you. You know, you got to be the beat the best to be the best because, quite frankly, I think we see every year. Dude, the Eagles, I, I don't care what anybody says. The Eagles were not the best team in the league last year. They they at one point, yeah, they were, but then they lost Carson Wentz and then they uh they had Jason Peters go down, they had some other injuries. And I, I think you can absolutely make an argument, you know, obviously it's any given Sunday, and that's really what it comes down to. But I think you can absolutely make an argument that the Saints were better than them last year. The Vikings were probably better than them last year, even though in that game they weren't. And I think the Patriots were too. Uh but it, it, I guess my my entire point here is is that I just want to see the Bears win a Super Bowl. I don't care how they do it. I don't care if they go through the easiest schedule possible. I don't care if they go through the hardest schedule possible. My whole thing is is I just want to see them get there. And mentally, the way I look at that is the easier road, you know, probably the better. And, you know, a lot of people can say, you know, whatever they want about that. But the fact is, out of all the playoff teams, uh, the Bears had one of the easiest strengths of schedule and strengths of victory. And that's not to demean what they've done because they, they've they been a damn good team all year. But my point being is is that the the merit of essentially, okay, if they win the Super Bowl, it doesn't matter if they beat the best, you know, the supposed best teams in the league to get there or if they beat the worst teams in the playoffs to get there. It doesn't matter how they did it. The same way with 12-4. and four. You're not looking at 12-4 and four saying, well – 
you know, it's it's not really as legitimate as some of the other teams that are 12 and four. I have, you know, have close to the same record because they had a the lower strength of victory or strength of schedule. It just doesn't work that way. It's really what it comes down to is a win is a win. And regardless of your path of getting there, I just I, I don't know. I've always been one of those people. It's like I just for my personal, you know, my personal view on it, I've always thought, you know, if, if it's easier, then I don't care. And that's kind of where I, the way I look at it. And obviously it's it's matchups. I mean, the Bears could come out. And they could blow out the Eagles or vice versa. They could come out and the Eagles could blow them out. I do think the Bears match up well against them. Obviously, we'll get into that later. But I just thought that was kind of an interesting point because there was a lot that went on last week. Obviously, second the second seed didn't work out. The first round by didn't work out. But I do think that overall, Matt Nagy basically, at least in my mind, I think, you know, there could have been some advanced analytics or, you know, advanced stats that went into it, scouting, whatever you want to call it. Uh, that maybe said that the Eagles are the better team for them to play. I don't know. I, I mean, I tweeted that. I really don't know. Maybe that is something. I mean, they t- they've talked about it before that they they go through and they they talk with their advanced scouts and say, okay, who's our better matchup, whatever it may be. I don't know if that's the case, and quite frankly, I don't think it was. But I, I, I do admire the fact that Matt Nagy said, okay, we're going to beat the team in front of us. We're putting a mark on the division. We're 5-1 in the division. We're, we're giving all of these teams that have put a bad taste in our mouth, now we're giving a bad taste in their mouth going into next year. And now it really starts. Yeah, and it kind of goes back to that, that old saying, you know, you can only play who is on your schedule, you know. And I hate when people say, oh, the Bears, you know, haven't beaten a winning team, blah, blah, blah. Well, save that for college football. College football is the only sport we really make your schedule in the non-conference, essentially. So, um with the parity in the NFL as it is anyway, I mean, the Bears are going to have a first-place schedule next year, but you could look and maybe some of those teams won't be as good as they were this year. Um, it, it's just, it just, it's very, the NFL is just so wishy-washy outside of, you know, like the Patriots or a team like that, or even the Chiefs have been consistently good. So, yeah, I also, you know, kind of wrap up that point and the whole discussion of who you'd rather have. I think the thing that kind of gets understated here is, and I know you said it earlier, if the Bears do hold up in the second half and let Minnesota win, I mean, you're essentially giving a team a free ticket into the playoffs that you just bench your stars and said, okay, we're going to take our starters out of the first half. We're confident. That could backfire. I mean, it obviously could backfire letting the Eagles in, but I think it's a worse look if you bench your starters, the Vikings win, and then in the wild card, the Vikings beat you. I think that, I think... I think Matt Nagy gets crucified if that happens. I 100% agree. I, that's that's kind of one of those things. It's just I, I don't think there's really a right or wrong answer uh, in terms of what he did, the decisions that he made. But what I will say is I absolutely admire what he did because I truly believe he basically said, we're going to let the cards fall how they may, and, and here we are. I mean, that's just really what it comes down to. I mean, we're, we're talking about a playoff football team that won 12 games. I mean, I, I can't remember what your uh, what your record prediction was at the beginning of the year, but I felt pretty optimistic, and I was at 10 and six, and that was after the MAC trade. And I think a lot of people had them right around 500, whether that was eight and eight, seven and nine, nine and seven, whatever it may be. But I don't think there was very many people out there who could have predicted not only a 12 and four record, but the fact that the Bears led in every single game this year. They had the fourth highest point differential. Uh, and I don't care what anybody says, they they easily have the best defense in the league. People can make the argument with Baltimore or whatever they want. I mean, the fact is the Bears have – they've went from one of those teams a lot of people thought were an absolute joke. I remember a lot of people trashing that job last year uh, 
when John Fox got fired. And I mean, that's that's been a year now. Uh, you know, Matt Nagy's hiring has almost been a year. It's like there was a lot of people who who thought that was a bad job. They didn't believe in Trubisky. Some people still don't, whatever that may be. Uh, but there was just a lot of talk that the Bears were never really going to get this thing figured out. And a lot of people didn't buy in. And I mean, that was just a year ago. I mean, we're, we're talking the end of this this season to the end of last season or vice versa. This is a 12-win team that I would say absolutely is not only obviously they're in the playoffs now, but I would say they're absolutely a Super Bowl contender right now. Would you agree? Yeah, and I was actually thinking about this today. Last year on this day, I was driving up to Hellas Hall in the morning, and we pretty much knew John Fox was getting fired, and the Bears were launching a coaching search. The Bears were moving forward in a coaching search just 365 days ago, and now you flip it to... Today, 2000, when we start 2019, yeah, the Bears, I think the Bears are a legit Super Bowl contender. I do think I agree that the Saints are probably the worst matchup for them if they get to that NFC Championship round, both teams. But outside of that, no team in the NFC really scares me. I mean, if I had to rank them as we sit right here on the teams in the, that the Bears could play, I would say the Saints, number one. I would probably go with... The Rams, number two, just because I think that'd be a different game in Los Angeles. I think um, having the Rams come to Chicago in that cold and when Jared Goff looked like he wanted nothing to do with the football that night, that gave the Bears a big advantage. And that's nothing, nothing's wrong with that. I, I not taking anything away from the Bears. I'd say probably the Rams. And, and that drop from one to two is pretty big because I think the home field boosts the, boosts the Saints. Cause I don't. I wouldn't want to play in that dome, and the home field I think helps the Rams in that cause. And then I'd probably go three. I'd go Seattle, and then four probably uh, Philadelphia, five the Cowboys. But I think the Bears can beat anyone in the NFC. I think if you take it game by game, any we've seen anything can happen. I mean, look at the Saints last year; they had Minnesota buried. That game was pretty much over until that miracle catch by Stephon Diggs and. Next thing you know, the Vikings are in the NFC Championship game. And then even then, the Vikings went up. A lot of people forget that opening drive. The Vikings looked pretty damn good on that opening drive. They go up 7-0 against the Eagles. And then after that, they just fell apart, and Philadelphia took it to them. So, I don't know. It goes – it's it's so week-to-week week in the playoffs. It's one game at a time, and you have to focus on who's right there in front of you. I mean, going back – I hate use another example, but the Rams last year got – won the division, and they were bounced the first round by a Falcons team. So we'll see, but I, I do agree with your point. I, I do think the Bears are a legit Super Bowl contender, and I think if they 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 come out with a win, a win on Sunday and they have to go to L.A., I do like their chances. I just, man, playing in the Dome in New Orleans just scares the crap out of me. Well, and that, it's kind of an interesting way, and that's kind of and that's kind of the, the reason that we got to let this all play out. Obviously, usually either the second or the first or second seed usually ends up in an NFC Championship game. If it's a second seed, that means the Bears had lost uh, in the divisional round next week, assuming they get past the Eagles. Uh, you know, and then obviously, if if that doesn't happen, then New Orleans would probably be Dallas or whoever they play, Seattle. But I, I think it's one of those situations right now where you where you're looking at it and you have to you have to objectively look and say, okay, who matches up good against who? Uh, and and I think that maybe a lot of people, at least in my opinion, because I've seen I've seen quite a bit of talk about I, there's a lot of people that are going to be taking the Eagles this weekend. And to a certain extent, I agree, uh, but it kind of gets into a bigger point here about playoff experience, right? So you've got. 
obviously the Eagles, who are Super Bowl champions, but like you pointed out, they got a lot of injuries. They have 13 guys on IR right now, including four defensive starters. They got a lot of injuries in the secondary. Uh, Derek Barnett, one of the better pass rushers, is gone for the year. Uh, I mean, they're just they're not the same team. I mean, this is really as simple as that. Uh, but I mean, you've you've got different teams that have different playoff experiences. But at the same time, when you really look at it, I mean, the Bears have I think I was counting it up yesterday. I think it was 16 or 17 different players on their 53 man roster right now who have been to the playoffs. And a few of those guys have been to a Super Bowl and or won it. So I think obviously you got Trubisky that doesn't have any experience you get you know you got some of your key players some of your offensive linemen whatever it may be that haven't been there some of your younger guys on defense that haven't been there okay that's fine but we've also seen that you have guys like Khalil Mack you have guys like Akeem Hicks uh you you have guys like Jordan Howard that seem to show up in primetime games so I I think that's kind of a big thing because a lot of people right now are kind of talking and they're well the Bears are still young and there is a decent chance that the Bears could go and play the Eagles, and they could basically get bounced exactly like the Rams did last year. I mean, there there is absolutely reason to believe that that could happen. But at the same time, let's go ahead and reverse that and look at the Eagles, right? The Eagles were a team, and I'll openly admit this, I had them counted out before the playoffs even started after they lost Wentz, and then they lost Peters. I mean, I thought for sure that they were done. And that's the same exact situation. They weren't a playoff team the year before. They were 7-9. and nine. They were going in with a uh, with a second year quarterback. Obviously, ended up being Nick Foles. Whatever it may be, they had two key injuries at two of your most important. I'd say probably two of the three most important positions on a football team: left tackle, quarterback, and then obviously pass rusher, whatever you want to call it. Then you know that's they had two of those three guys were injured and out for the year when they went to the playoffs, and they went all the way to the Super Bowl. And I think the one thing that you kind of saw last year from the Eagles was the fact that they were having a lot of fun. They were doing celebrations. They were doing all this kind of stuff. And I think you're seeing a lot of that from the Bears this year. But I think another another point that kind of you know we kind of need to keep in mind here is is that you have the Matt Nagy or sorry uh, the Andy Reid coaching tree. So last year it was Doug Peterson, obviously Peterson and, and Nagy were going to square off uh, you know this weekend. But I, I don't think that you can underrate the or more the point well overrate whatever it may be. I, I don't think you can overlook the value that this coaching staff has. Nagy's been in the playoffs. Vic Fangio's been in the playoffs. You have a lot of experience within this team. So, yes, they are young. Uh, yes, they are inexperienced to a, to a certain extent. But I also think at the same time that this team has enough experience, and I think this team has enough mojo going on right now to where they are built uh, to be able to win the Super Bowl. I think obviously it comes down to their defense playing well and Trubisky playing well enough to not cost them. I think that's really what it comes down to. Yeah, I really trust this Bears defense when it comes down to it because I think they are the, the best in the league no matter what the stupid total yard stat says. But yeah, I, I and I don't I'm not as worried about the offense as a lot of people locally and nationally seem to be. Everyone's kinda of scared, oh Trubisky's gonna blow it for him, he's gonna hold him back. Yeah, okay, I mean he's shown you where he can maybe struggle at times, but I don't like I'd be shocked if he came out and threw four interceptions, three, four interceptions. I'd be absolutely shocked. I, don't, I think Matt Nagy's smart enough not to put him in position to have to force throws and, and take deep shots. I think they're going to take a deep shot when it's time. They're going to pick their spots. Here, I don't think Matt Nagy's going to do anything different, even with you know how familiar he is with Doug Peterson on the other side. I don't think Nagy will do anything different that we've seen. Maybe he'll throw in a couple trick plays or something like that, but... 
as far as the game plan, I think they're going to try getting Howard going again. I think they're going to use Tariq Cohen like they have been, getting him into space, putting him in mismatches, and utilizing those mismatches. And, you know, as far as Trubisky, I think you'll see where Nagy will put, him, put receivers in short, intermediate routes and just let Trubisky hit them there and just move the ball down the field like they have all year. I, I, I'd i be totally shocked if we saw any big changes to the offensive game plan. And defensively, I really like the Bears in this matchup because I think their front seven matches up really well. I mean, the Eagles do have a really good offensive line. I don't think it's as good as it was last year when it was ranked number one. But, I mean, it's still a top ten unit. But I love the Bears. With their depth, I love the Bears' defensive line and the front seven. I trust Vic Fangio to have a good game plan and get ready for um, Nick Foles in this offense. But before, I want to get a little more into the playoffs and the Eagles. But let's take a break really quick. We're going to hear from our sponsor. We'll be back in about a minute. And we are back. You are listening to the Bear Report podcast. Um, I'm Zach Pearson, one of your co-hosts, and Aaron Lemming, as always, is joining me. We've been discussing about the Bears' Week 17 win over the Minnesota Vikings. We've discussed a little bit about the playoffs, what teams kind of scare us, how we feel about the Bears' chances. And as far as the Eagles game goes, we will have a special preview podcast with a guest coming this week. So uh, let's get right back into it, Aaron. While the focus is on the Bears and their upcoming matchup in Philadelphia, it is reported that two teams have already wanted, have already requested interviews with defensive coordinator Vic Fangio. We've seen Fangio get interviews in the past. Um, he actually interviewed for the Bears job last year, did not get it, but did stay with the Bears. That was one of the smartest moves I think Ryan Pace could have made by retaining him. What are the chances to you right now as we sit here, January 1st, 2019, Vic Fangio is a head coach come week one of the of the new season and the Bears are looking for a defensive coordinator? I'd say still less than 20%. I mean, I, I know and we've had we've had the conversations on the, the Bear Report message boards. And I just, at least from what I've heard, and I could be completely wrong. I mean, it's it's just one of those situations you never know how guys are going to gonna interview. But... I everything that I've ever heard is basically a lot of people view him as more of a uh, I guess a tactical guy uh, and not so much as a leader, but more I think it's a lot of it's his personality. I think the age and personality is is going to be something that's going to hurt him because he's a very dry person. He's not somebody who's going to kiss up to ownership to the GM. He's very blunt. He's not. I mean, he's not bad with the media by any means, but he's also not overly engaging. He's just not a very, very marketable guy. And I think ultimately, like I said, the, that combined with the fact that a lot of teams, at least from all the names that we've seen flying around so far, a lot of teams are going to be going after offensive guys or younger guys in general. And, you know, that you look at the two, because there's two teams. I mean, there's there's eight teams total who are looking for head coaches here. Um, we'll obviously have to see what happens with, the Jim Harbaugh situation, whether he gets, or sorry, John Harbaugh, the, that situation, whether he gets traded uh, once the once the Ravens are bounced or not, I, I don't think that really matters because you're still going to have eight teams looking for coaches. Because if they trade him to a team that's looking for a coach right now, then they're still going to be looking for one. So that doesn't really matter. But I think that when you look at it right now, you look at the fact that he's one of many candidates and I would say a very watered down pool. I think when you look at the the overall candidacy of a lot of these guys versus the last few years, I don't think it's very good at all. I don't think there's very many safe bets. I think there's obviously some some retreads out there. Uh, Mike McCarthy's going to get another look. There's been some talk maybe Jim Caldwell, uh Adam Gase is going to get another job, stuff like that, but 
I just don't see there being a lot of good candidates. And, and But at the same time, when you look at it, it's like, you know, you, you look at the pool, you look at what teams are looking at, and you got eight teams out there, and only two teams have requested Vic Fangio, and that's the Denver Broncos and the Miami Dolphins. And it's, I don't know, I, I just, I look at both of those teams, and you've, you've got a team in the Miami Dolphins who are very, very much... The, the, the realistic aspect that I look at with them is the fact that they're probably going to have a new quarterback. I don't know how they're going to get that quarterback, who that quarterback will be, but there's been multiple reports that Ryan Tannehill has done after the, you know, after the, the remainder of the season, which is obviously over now. Uh, I think they're pretty justified in making that move, especially if you watch them over the last few weeks and the injuries and all that stuff. And then you look at Denver, and I think that John, uh, John Elway is a little, little overpowering. And quite frankly, I, you're walking into the situation there where I think the Broncos have a decent amount of talent. I think they were better than their record shows. I, I think Vance Joseph was a, a terrible, terrible head coaching hire to begin with. I thought he was terrible in the, the, the two years that he was in Denver. But you also look at it and you say, okay, well, who's your quarterback there? And you got Case Keenum. And, you know, the John Elway hasn't proved that he could really supplement talent uh, throughout the draft very well, at least in my opinion, and especially at quarterback. So I think you're looking, when you're looking at all the open jobs here, you've, you've got Cleveland, who I think is a very, very nice place to go to. Uh, obviously, you got the Packers, who, I, you know, as much as I hate to say it, I think they're another realistic or, or a very attractive destination. And then you have, I mean, there's, I'd say that there's probably three or four of the eight openings right now that that make a lot of sense. And I'm, I'm drawing a blank on the other one right now, but there's another one that, They've got a good young team. Oh, it's the Jets. And, then, and I think that's another team. But I don't think when you look at it, especially with Vic Fangio, he's got one shot, if he has any shot at all, of being a head coach. And I don't know that going to a team like the Dolphins, who I, I don't know, I just don't think they're very good. And the same thing with Denver. I don't know if those are two good situations for him. So I'd say, I mean, the chances of him getting a, a, an opportunity this year is probably lower than 20%. Yeah, I have to agree. I'm with that. I'm probably going to mark it about 10% if I had to gauge that. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think he's going to get some more interviews. I think there'll be other teams that request interviews uh, in the coming days or even, you know, maybe weeks. Um, I just, personally for me, and this has been brought up on the Barry Report message boards, I think he's going to have to take, like you said, it's his first job, maybe his first head coaching job, and this is his big audition. He would have to take, I to me, almost the perfect situation, almost a dream job. With the teams that have expressed interest in him and have requested an interview, I don't think either of those are. I don't think the Broncos and the Dolphins are that. I don't think they have the talent right now that is ready to win. Um, and then you look at like someone like the Packers, who has who have Aaron Rodgers, they have the quarterback in place. But for me, I think that organization is going to want to kind of go with an offensive-minded head coach, you have arguably still a top-three quarterback in the NFL. You're going to want to maximize what's left of his career, and you probably don't want to waste it on a guy who's more on the defensive side of things. Yeah, you can bring in a young offensive-minded coordinator, but how long will that coordinator last if he shows the results? He'll probably be out in two years, a year or two. So yeah, for me, I think Fangio would it would have to be a dream job because the way he talks about Chicago, the way he talks about the Bears organization, he he loves it here. He's shown he's expressed that he loves it here. He loves the Cubs. He loves 
the area around here. He loves golfing. He loves the golf courses out here. And I truly think he appreciates the history of this franchise. I don't know who he was talking to. He did mention in his presser last week that someone told him a couple years back, if you ever get the chance to coach in Chicago, you have to do it. And he's done it, and he's been here. This is his fourth year. So you can just tell the guy loves it in Chicago. And I, I'm not – if if I were Bears fans right now, I wouldn't be scared of him leaving. Um, yeah, there is that threat. There is that possibility. I'd say right now, I'd, for me, it's a 10% chance that he leaves. Maybe under that. But if he does leave, I mean, the Bears are going to have a whole a defensive corner. There's no doubt about it. Who do you see as an ideal fit if this were worst-case scenario? Well, I think there's a few, and that's that's. I guess that's kind of the 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 uh, the good news in this is I think Vic Fangio is a very good defensive coordinator, but I also think that with the amount of talent this team has, he I don't know if replaceable is the right word because I think that's a little disrespectful, but I do think that they can find somebody that can come in and coach this defense to at least close to the product it is right now. Um, definitely going to be a different philosophy. I mean, really, there, there, there's a few guys that come to mind, but at least for me, I think Todd Bowles is a big one. He has a he's I mean, he's grown up with Matt Nagy. He has a he has a good relationship with Matt Nagy. He comes from the same uh, coaching tree, so I, I think that's that's definitely one. I think the other one to kind of keep an eye on too that was at least from what I heard was basically uh, the one B to Vic Fangio being one A, depending on what he did last year, uh, was Mike Pettin. And obviously, we need to see what happens with Green Bay. Uh, I know that they want to keep him around. I mean, that's been pretty well, uh, you know, well, well documented by this point. Um, but I think obviously a lot of that's going to come down to, you know, who they hire as a head coach. And I don't know that Petten's really going to be that good of a fit with a guy like Josh McDaniels, who seems to be rumored as their top, uh, you know, their their top target. So what's that to see? But I mean, there's there's plenty of options out there right now. I mean, I don't have the list in front of me, but those two names right there. Uh, or I think very comparable uh, to Vic Fangio. And I think the one thing to keep in mind with both of those guys is they're much more aggressive uh, in terms of blitzing, in terms of, you know, I guess getting the quarterback. I mean, before this year, Vic Fangio's defenses have never really been about getting the quarterback at a very, very high rate. And the other thing that they really haven't been about is, is turnovers. So I think uh, in a lot of ways, obviously the comfort of being in the same defensive system for four years for some of these guys and all the other stuff is good. Um, but I, I do think that this has kind of been more of a uh, an outlier year in terms of production versus what Vic Fangio's defenses normally see. So, I mean, that's just kind of my take. I'd rather him stay here, but if, if he does leave, I, I don't think the Bears are going to be left high and dry and we're going to go back to the Mel Tucker days either. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. Those are the two names I had on my list too, so I'm glad you kind of brought them up. And I think now that the Bears have met Nagy here, they have – defensive pieces that they can build around in Kyle Fuller, in Akeem Hicks, in Khalil Mack, Eddie Jackson, you know, to name a few, it's going to be a desirable job if it opens up for a defensive coordinator. Let's hope it doesn't. I love what Fangio's done here. I love everything that he's done with his defense and maximizing the talent he has. Um, you, the guys love him. They've No one's ever spoken bad about him in this locker room. Um, every, every time you bring up Vic Fangio, it, a player's face just lights up and they smile. And you can just see the relationship he has with these players. But it'll be interesting. It's it's certainly something we do need to keep an eye on. And obviously, you know, if, if the Bears continue to make it through the playoffs, the longer this could drag out on me, it'll be something we bring up. And even in our off-season podcast as well, um, at least it gives us something to talk about too. So that's always good. Um, anything else you want to touch on, Eric, Aaron, before uh, kind of say our goodbyes for this one? No. 
I think we're good, man. I mean, we got the we got the preview podcast coming up later on in in the week, and I mean, it's it's Bears playoff football for the first time in eight years. So I, I think fans should be really excited. I mean, it's just it's been a complete one eighty from last year, and you know, when you talk about the Vic Fangio thing with the, with the winning, I mean, it's just everything. I mean, it's just, it's just a different feel. And I really believe, I mean, fans just need to enjoy it for as long as it lasts. I, I do think it's going to last a little bit. And I do think they, that, like I said, they are Super Bowl contenders. But it's also worth keeping in mind. I mean, this is this is a single elimination. So they lose. And that's that's it for football for basically, you know, at least in terms of games for eight months. So let's let's try to let's try to, you know, make these last few podcasts count um, and, and enjoy these games as much as we can. Yeah, that's the main thing. I, I really hope the fans do enjoy this and, and get to experience, if anyone's going to the game, experience that atmosphere at Soldier Field. We'll talk a little bit about that in our preview podcast, but I just, it's, it's, it, this is a fun week. Like, I, it's a busy week, but it's a fun, busy week. I'd rather be doing this than breaking down coaching candidates and list of free agents who the Bears could acquire and who they're going to let go, who's on the hot seat right now. I just, this is so much more fun to write about and, and podcast about rather than the other stuff that, I mean, we both have, have done over the past couple of, uh, of seasons, you know? Absolutely, man. So it's, we're, it's, man, I don't know. It's just going to be, it's, it's a weird feeling. Like it, I mean, it's, we're recording this on what a Tuesday night and it just, I don't think it's really quite set, set in yet that the bears are playing in a playoff game, uh, and, less than a week i mean we're it's going to be a sunday game that's i guess that's the other thing we can mention right now too i mean it's it's sunday at 340 on nbc i mean there's been a lot of random information going around but the bears are the last uh, wild card matchup of the weekend yeah i was actually i was a little surprised that they got the uh the nbc 340 slot i definitely thought they were gonna get the saturday night um national spot but Oh, well. The Bears are the playoffs. I can't complain. Aaron, where can they find you on Twitter? You can find me at Aaron Lemming NFL. And then you can also read his work on the Bear Report. Um, you can check out his post on the Bear Report message board. You can follow me on Twitter at Zach, Z-A-C-K, underscore Pearson. Same as Aaron. You can find my work on the Bear Report. You can find me browsing the Bear Report message boards. Um, yeah, hopefully we'll have a lot more to talk about here in the coming days. And uh, be on the lookout or Preview podcast will be up Friday morning, so get you ready for Sunday's game. Um, yeah, please like, rate, review, do all the stuff you can on all these uh, platforms. And uh, until Thursday we will, or Friday, we will uh, talk to you later. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.